So here we are, folks. Uh, episode two. We're still alive. Yes, we are. We, we, we avoided orderly disposal. Yeah, how hasn't right. got rid of us yet? Sorry, Gary. Gary, yes. Indeed. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he hates that, by the way. <laughs> or, or Gaz. Gaz. Word, Gaz yeah. Yeah. That's even worse. Yeah, you, yeah, I've got to start using it. Um, yeah, so you join us for episode two, and uh, this week we are... We're not covering the comedy, um, despite what Gary says. We're doing the THX 1138. Indeed. Uh, a great dystopic sci-fi. Right. Which is one of your favourites, I believe. It, it, it is indeed. And yeah. uh, with, with, with good reason, I think. Yes. Over to you, Gal. Greetings, listeners. As we venture once again into the realm of cinematic exploration, I am pleased to present to you our latest selection. Prepare to be transported to a world of advanced technology and sterile conformity, a place where humans are reduced to mere numbers and emotions are forbidden. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you George Lucas's 1971 dystopian vision, THX 1138. Now let's dive into the trailer. Are we happy? Are we happy and effective? Consultation with leading experts in the field makes it perfectly clear, perfectly clear, that we are all now programmed for perfect happiness, perfect happiness, perfect happiness, perfect happiness. occasional technical or electronic errors in programming and or surveillance which produce perverse exceptions. I'm going to have a child. First they start skipping prescribed drug dosages, then they begin touching, then indulging in various sexual acts and the ultimate perversion, love. For such extreme psychobiological misfunction, only isolation will do. Okay, so where do we start with this one? Wow, uh, yeah, there's a lot to there's a lot to break down. In this there film, is, isn't there? Now, before we get into the plot, before we even get past the credits, mm-hmm. there is something. Did you notice something about the credits? Um, I think it's something that most people would miss because uh-huh. they're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. The credits roll the wrong way. Ah, they're rolling up. They roll up. Mm-hmm. Or down, or whichever way is the wrong way. I forget, but it's definitely the wrong way. Mm. Yeah, they roll down because you think credits. Yeah, yeah, they roll up. They roll yeah, up. Yeah, don't they? they roll yeah, down. Yeah, they yeah. roll down. Oh, yeah. Which now, I think that's a reference. Um, there's a film called Kiss Me Deadly, mm-hmm. which is a great film noir, which uses that device. Now there may be earlier examples, but it's a way of kind of indicating that something's not quite right. Okay. Puts you on edge a little bit, you know. Because <clears throat> you kind of, you may not, I don't think, honestly, most people would notice. They would just feel a bit, mm. Yeah, there's a kind of subconscious thing happening there. Right. So, there you go. Even before you even yeah. start. He's, he's, pre- he's prepped you. <laughs> he's prepped you. So, all right. So, let take us into it. Where do we start? Um, well, <clears throat> opening <clears throat> credits, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, we get quite good sort of what we call vista shots really doesn't it so they're panning shots 
uh, yeah. of and you see a sort of early 70s interpretation of high-tech equipment really right lots of analog kind of mechanical flashing lights flashing and lights. levers and knobs and yeah reel to reels and yeah uh, um, coupled with really great sort of disturbed um analog sort of soundscapes yeah there's yeah. The, the soundscape's amazing in this film because it's it re- i think it sets the tone as much as as much as the visuals because mm. you get all the analog beeps and which you know let's not forget this is this is like early 70s mm. nobody's got home computer no this is 74 by the way right so nobody's got a home computer. Computers were a remote thing that people would read about. Obviously, some people would work in an office mm. with computers, but it's like governments and people like that right. had, had access in those days, didn't they? Right. So the, the vast majority of people, and there were few to a suspicion. Yeah. So the vast majority of people would not be would not have hands-on experience with a computer. Mm, so no. there are it's a straight you know it's an alien thing. Um, the the sights and sounds and like you say. And that's even before we really get... Well, actually, the very first thing we see, the very, very first shot is the star of the film, mm-hmm. but sort of through a distorted computer lens. And it's kind of telling, because the first thing um, that's... In, he's not well. He's not feeling well. Yes, yes. He's got some issues, this guy. He's got issues. And, it's, and when people have issues in this dystopian world, where do they go? To the confession booth. Well, they do, but before they go, <laughs> before they go to the confession, they go to the, 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 the where the drugs are. Well, yes, they do. Yeah. So that they they and and they 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 they're primed for that. Yeah, well, it's, it's a heavily medicated society. Very very heavily. Well, you're not just encouraged. It's mandatory. It's mandatory. <laughs> yeah, or else. Right. It's it's a crime. Um, you can literally get arrested for criminal drug evasion yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're off your meds if you're off your meds which is an important plot point mm, mm, very much so so he's not he's not feeling well so he goes for the drugs um and what does he do oh, what's um, his day job um well his day job yeah so uh, he works uh, as part of a work group um and they are well he's kind of an engineer I'd, I'd say, wouldn't you? He's a, yeah, I guess uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Actually, work at yeah. engineer type individual. Yeah, and um, uh, essentially, he is. Um, uh, well, I would say he is making his own oppression, uh, which is kind of a big sort of uh, grandiose statement. Uh, what I mean by that is that he's making robots. Basically, he, he's working on robots. Right. And the robots that he's working on <coughs> are the robots right. that control the society. Right. They're the cops. Yeah, they're yeah. the cops. And they look, Quite, yeah. they look like cops. They look like, but, but, yeah, they're very much of the time. Yeah, absolutely. They kind of look like... We're good, though. I kind of like the, I like the aesthetic. Yeah, I like the aesthetic of it, but they... Now, this is, you know, coming from ignorance, but they look, to me, as an English viewer, they look like bike cops. Yeah, they look like that. You remember the... Um, like chips. Chips, yeah, yeah. But yeah. really tall. Yeah, tall. And, and sort of metallic. Yeah. And they you know, they all had the aviator um, glasses on. Right. The, the Ray-Ban glasses on, didn't they? Did you know... <laughs> talking about credits again. There was a little there was a little gem in, in the closing credits. Um, and this is like... Kids, I always watch the closing credits. You might learn something. Did you know that one of those cops... By the way, there's only two guys who played the cops. They played all the cops. Okay. And one of them was the son of Tarzan. Oh, really? What? Yeah. Johnny Wiseman? Johnny, yeah. Oh. It was a junior. 
played one of the, and you can kind of tell who it is because he's got this kind of rangy as soon as I spotted that I thought I know which one that was right that rangy swagger the rangy swagger and he's he's huge as well so yeah son of Tarzan plays uh, on the cops uh, okay yeah so so yeah he, he's he's operating those, those kind of mechanical hand yeah, things yeah so they're kind of like you know when you've seen people that work in sort of nuclear um, facilities or biological facilities right they'll have uh, their hands inside some gloves or they'll be manipulating <clears throat> mechanical arms because what they're you know working on is too dangerous to be outside right uh, i think they do call them manipulators don't yeah, they? yeah yeah so um <clears throat> now these uh androids uh that police the state um they are nuclear powered really aren't they, they are, yeah. Say, yeah. well so, it's his job from the looks of it they never tell you they don't spell these things out but it's his job to looks like drop the uranium rod into core. the core yeah, into yeah, the, yeah. like the, the helmet or whatever was it yeah um like why they couldn't have automated this process? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, don't exactly, know. yeah. But we'd have had the technology. We, <laughs> we need would to do think that, so. Yeah. But you know, again, it's it's good plot device. It's a good plot, but I, you know, I think it's also like <laughs> it shows you the value, doesn't it? That they or the lack of value that they put on the, on, on the people because yeah. it's like what because he's literally the only manual worker, not not the only, but his job is the only manual work you see in the whole film. Yes. Everybody else is sitting around in an office telling everybody else what, what, what to, to do. do. <laughs> but, like, they haven't automated like, the most dangerous job in the whole bloody place, this underground city. And this is this is shown quite clearly quite early on when, like, his neighbouring factory or whatever. Yeah, they were kind of broke down into work groups. Right. Or, where they competed against each other. Right, right. And they're told, like, because there's a lot of stuff on the audio about efficiency. Mm. an awful lot yeah so like the guys next door or down the road or whatever the whole place goes up yeah something goes wrong in in their ability to to you know um install this rod right. uh, so it's a very dangerous job and basically it's just it's a nuclear explosion yeah and just a meltdown and, and it's blows how many hundreds or thousands of people are in this ex- one explosion really right. uh, so it kind of shows a contempt that society yeah, has yeah. for the human right they, they they couldn't they couldn't have automated this one thing which is the most hazardous thing in the whole place <laughs> so like yeah he's not happy um not surprising <clears throat> so when you're not happy um what do you do you there's, there's no shoulder to cry on as such in that society is there really? right no because it's there's no well love is is forbidden quite literally yep. Um, everybody's out their face on drugs. Oh, yeah. They're drones, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're totally medicated society. What's wrong, Marcus? <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of that going yeah. on. So they're going to this booth, um, which essentially is like maybe for the society in the future is drawing on previous cultural uh, norms or references. So you go into this confession booth here, which is essentially similar to a Roman Catholic confession booth. Right. And there's a picture of Jesus on there, isn't it? It's it's very much Jesus. He's, yeah, he's, he, they don't call him Jesus. Yeah, he looks looks in the style of Jesus. Yeah, it's a Christ-like figure. Yeah. Um, and basically, you know, you, you confess and come and say, you know, I'm having problems, or you know, and you know, there's a response. That's nice. Yeah, <laughs> take two of these. <laughs> well, you just get. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like we we see it quite clearly because someone else goes in later on. Mm. That. 
all the response are the same, and it's just a tape. It's just it's yeah. a tape recording. Seventies seventies tech. So there's, yeah, there's like a reel to reel with predefined uh, statements. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's all this kind of stuff. So yeah, they don't give a damn. No. <laughs> Nobody's even listening. This is the funny thing about it. Like it's the one place yeah. where you think they're exactly. They're, yeah. They're, That's the, yeah, they're not. They don't care. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> the thing is, they know. I suppose that the thinking is, they know that if people are going in there and just you know, blah blah, you know, my my life's not great. Well, they've kind of got them captured. They're not a threat. Really? No, they're trying to conform. They're trying to work out. And they'll say, okay, the med combo that we've been giving you uh, is obviously not working. Right. So take more meds. Take two of these. So <laughs> they're, they're trying out different drug combinations to you to kind of like see whether that can suppress your issues. Right. Because, yeah, you know, they don't, they, they don't, don't actually care they about don't care. Your, your problems. No, no. It's it's about efficiency and, and, and that's about it. Now, he, ha- he doesn't live alone. No, he doesn't. Which, which is... I suppose the, they have to do it like this to kind of set up the tension in the film, but it's it's almost a bit of a surprise that he is that anybody is allowed to to, to live yeah, with you somebody think else. It's so cold, and it appears so cold <clears throat> and unfunctional that you think you know I don't see you know men and women together. No, or, it's, or, it's just crowds, isn't it? Yeah. Just individuals that have to conform to that happen to be a man and happen to be a woman. Right. But, you know, where's, where's the social interaction? Where's it? it doesn't exist, does it? No, no. And, and every, we should also point out that everybody dresses the same and mm. everybody's got a shaved head. Yes. Yeah, indeed, yeah. You know, which is very 70s kind of interpretation of dystopia. Um, it's also a visual Thing. The visual, the army is about uniformity. They shave your head when you right. go to the army, don't you? Right. You're kind of giving that. Kind it definitely of- fits. Mm. Yeah. It, there was there was that whole thing in, in seventy sci-fi where, well, actually, you're going all the way back to even bloody Buck Rogers, like where everybody in the future would wear the same thing, mm. jumpsuits basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <It's> like spandex, <laughs> spandex, and spandex jumpsuits. I don't know where that came from, but yeah, but so like flight suits, you know, like aviator suits, and right, or whatever. But it's blandness, isn't it? It's, a, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lack of kind of personal expression yeah. and then, oh, totally, you know, uniformity and all that. But yeah, so he. He lives with this. Well, we should say he. He's, he's not a name. He's THX eleven thirty eight. That's that's our protagonist. You're you're, you're, you're given uh, a number, a name, uh, which is, you know your name is actually a combination of letters and numbers. Right. Yeah. So you know you you've just been you're an asset. So you have an asset number essentially. Right. You're a property. Aren't yeah. You? yeah. So he's THX and he lives with LUH. Mm-hmm. He does. And she's not happy either. No, because <laughs> nobody's this smart. They don't really, but again, they don't care as long as you're productive. Yeah, you're just sort of let you're you're just left in the kind of mild depression, a kind of you know limbo space. Yeah, just barely functional. I mean, there is a shot. There is a very because there are little bits of humour in the film, kind of. And there is quite a funny shot where these three guys get into a lift and they're clearly so spaced out they can't even operate the damn lift because the the lift is literally saying this lift is broken or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and they're just like standing there like... Uh, press <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so these two live together. Quite telling actually because when he he comes home, inverted <laughs> commas, because it's just it's bland. It's just all white walls, and you know, it's, it's <clears throat> hardly any furniture. The min- minimalist, minimalist, very, stuff. very minimalist. And but it's quite telling when he comes back to the 
space, shall we say. There's actually, you don't see them in the same shot. Mm-hmm. And she's calling after him. Are you home? It's that UTHX or something like that. But you don't. She's so you know the way the way the scene's set up. There's clearly a, a separation, not just between them, but between everybody. Even if you live together, it's you exist together. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no joy and love, and you know. Well, they're how, bad. Ha, ha, how's your How's your day, darling? Right. There's none. <laughs> there's no. There's no joshing or. <laughs> there's none of that. So he, I think he comes home and starts watching the TV. Yeah, they have TV with um, some interesting channels. Oh man! Do we want to even talk about this? Well, no, actually, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave that to your imagination, and we'll let you watch it. Yeah, um, <laughs> just it, it did make me laugh. But so yeah, so but she, she's unsettled. She's unsettled. And he's unsettled. And uh, did, did you not say um, you know, that she she's a nurse, isn't she? What's her what's her kind of function? I, is she a nurse? Um, I thought she would kind of worked in some sort of medical. I department. can't remember because you don't see her at work. No, she don't. refers to it, mm. and she refers to a supervisor. Mm. The the ever wonderful Donald Pleasance, who we'll get to later, Sen as he is mm. in the film. Um. Because she sa- he says something to her, and she's a bit creeped out by it, um, and she reports him. No, he he reports it. He reports because um, he because Donald Pleasant starts harassing him as well later on. He does, he does, yeah. Because uh, he's got a plan. Yeah, and you, you wonder what, what what what's what's Donald's game here? What's, what, what, yeah. Is he working for the state, or is he you know, or what? what yeah, is he crazy, a psychopath, or right? Or does he desire LUH? Don't know. Yeah, he's kind of. I must admit, when I first saw this, I thought it was an echo of Nine Eighty Four. Because let's let's be honest, this film borrows heavily, as all nearly all dystopian fiction does, from Nine Eighty Four. <laughs> And, and Brave New World and, and things like that. And I thought this is a bit of an echo of 94, where I can't remember the character's name, but he befriend, this guy befriends him, doesn't he? Befriends Winston yeah. in, in the novel. And I thought it was that. I thought that's what was going on. But it's not quite. Basically, basically Donald Pleasance isn't nearly as, as threatening and competent as we might imagine him yeah. to be. <clears throat> He's got that kind of way and look about him that conveys it kind of... Uh, uh, he's always played a kind of dodgy kind of character. Yeah. So he's got, he's got, he's got that look about him. He's got that, yeah, but they, that sort of threat. But the thing is, he isn't. He's just a blowhard. Yeah. But to give him credit, though, he's... Unlike most of the people... He he does have a he, do, he you know he wants out. He, he's persistent. Yeah, he, he, he bloody hell, he, yeah, he's persistent. Um, so yeah, we kind of roll into the we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but we want to, we want to introduce Donald Pleasant. But before Donald Pleasant comes on the scene in, in a bigger way, because he make, he plays a much bigger part later on in the film. She starts playing with THX's drugs. Yes, indeed. So this, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, is the source of his um, sort of uh, problem thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's starting to become confused. He doesn't know why he's becoming confused. And then we we realise uh, that um, LUH has been uh, messing with his meds. Yeah. So she's been altering them, uh, reducing them, or giving him some sort of placebo substitute. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, she's trying to bring him off meds, right? And he literally has r- drug withdrawal because he's he's throwing up in the confession booth. 
And then, like, the tapes are going, that's good. And he's, like, throwing up his guts, like, you know. Confess. Soft, soft creepy voice, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's an NPL voice, isn't it? Right. <laughs> so yeah, so he comes off the he comes off the drugs basically. Although he doesn't, she well, doesn't he, tell he, him. He's been taking the drugs. He thinks he's being a good boy. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he, he but he's not. No, but she. So he doesn't know that at the moment. No, she, she never tells him. She's been messing with his drugs. Right? She she's been doing that, and she behind his back. Um, which is why he's feeling so awful because he's literally going through a drug patrol. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's dying. Um. And the result of that is, oh dear, human kind of um, yeah, normal. That's what I <laughs> you know, uh, emotions and, and behaviour starts to rise to the surface. Yeah, that's been they, they kind of get it on severely suppressed. Yeah. Uh, a la 1984, um, as has been uh, talked about, mm-hmm. um, sex crime uh, was a thing in 1984. Right. So, um, you having free love, uh, you know, like the sixties is no. Come on, this is just no. the antithesis society, really. Um, well, this is the hangover decade, isn't it? So, so if you want children, um, which is kind of is reduced to a biological function. So yes, you get paired. So THX and LU. L-U-H were paired by society by some computer system deemed to be compatible Mm -hmm. Um, so they essentially take their eggs and sperm Mm -hmm. and they join them in a laboratory and uh, the child is grown basically in an artificial womb and you are assigned as essentially co-parents or wards of that child so the child, right, the the child, child is definitely the state state yeah, yeah state owned but even though it's come from your body <laughs> that, you know in that society that's that's, you know, that, that, that's long you know yeah things like that you know considerations like that are long gone yeah because you kind of get a feeling in this film I, I did anyway that this it's been like this for a long time yeah decades if not longer yeah, totally just uh, a society that's almost like run like an ant colony essentially yeah. really uh, and there's no- there's hardly any remnants of like any previous society there's 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 very little evidence of it's just total conformity mm-hmm. um these people are well used to it and actually there's there is a little bit near the end where Donald near the end get later on in the film where Donald Pleasance runs into some kids and he start, and they've got these, they've got these things on their arms. They're literally being injected with, with like knowledge, mm. and it's not obvious because you think this it's just drugs. But he says, because like, I think he talks to the kid about what he's, what he's learning or something, and. So that's a seventies interpretation, perhaps, of how you would get things, as opposed to now. Right, you'd have a brain chip and it would be downloaded right, right. via Wi-Fi. But right, it's a kind but, of seventies version. Right, but Donald Pleasance makes a reference to how, when he was a kid, mm-hmm. the the apparatus was so much bigger. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, this has been going on a while. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. You know, it back in my day, <laughs> it was like, the oppression was a little bit, you know. A little bit clunkier, but that's it. Though it's it's been around for ages. So yeah, so these two they fall in love, and 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 well, they, they start emotions start to come to the fore, yeah, yeah. and you know they start having feelings for each other right. in a way that they didn't have previously, right? Or they were seriously suppressed, yeah. Um, and that's that's not a good thing in this place, no. 
because you know it's restricted how and where you know there's a, there's a, a a procedure about you know you you doing it or or, yeah. or, or you know you pair pair bonding as it as it were it's right. also officiated by the state right so and for you to come along and decide hey I want to be with this person I want to you know get jiggy with it no 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 no, no. there's not supposed to be any kind of joy or pleasure in in any of that stuff (laughs) because you know they want to dehumanize people and take the power away from them I mean it's you know again it's it's 1984 dystopia 101 totally and this I think this is also where where um, Donald Pleasance because he's he's one of these people you spot looking at lots of screens you know from some CD office somewhere um and I think he, he watches them. Yeah, so I think it's kind of, we can say that he's one of the uh, works for the state in monitoring citizens. Right. And their behavior. Right. Um, and he's probably getting watched by somebody else and, you know, whatever. I think yeah, you get the impression they don't show much of, of the higher echelons. We don't get to know who really runs this place. Hmm. And I don't think Donald, you know, the, the people that we see, I think they're they're pretty... Even though they're they're they look like they're in charge, they're pretty low down the ladder. I think, yeah. you know, functionaries. Yeah, um, but he, you know, he sees what's going on, and this is his way in with these two. Because I think he, I think he, he must spot something in, in THX that he thinks is is useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this comes down to this. We should say I don't know if we've mentioned it, but this is played by Robert Duvall. Yeah, great actor, terrific actor, and he had an amazing seventies. Oh, I mean, God, yeah. the Godfather. Mm-hmm. Um, you know this film. Um, I'm trying to think, was he in the conversation? So, um, oh, Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now. So many seventies um, uh, cowboy films. You know, yeah, the yeah. revival of seventies cowboy films. Right, There's a lot of those. Right, right. right. But anyway, he did a lot of good 70s He, he had a great 70s. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate, actually, that this isn't necessarily... This film isn't necessarily included in that. Because I think he's terrific in this. He's quite a fairly young, though, in this film, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, he I like guess... He was in his late 20s, didn't he, would you say? I'd say, yeah, early 30s. Hmm. But uh, yeah, the thing is, the thing, the thing is, he would been in Godfather, Godfather mm. 2, Apocalypse Now. <laughs> they kind of overshadow... Yeah, most you know most people's bloody CV, so I guess that's why. But I think I think he's really good in this because it's a very very I think it's a very hard part because he's got to play somebody who is drugged up to the eyeballs, mm-hmm. but also cut through all that stuff to make a connection with the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think he does a terrific job. I don't even know how he does it. If you, you know what I mean, it's like I can't see how he's doing it. Like yeah. uh, what what's um what's been talked about here uh, by Andrew is is his kind of vulnerability that, yeah. that, that comes across on the screen. Right, you you feel sorry for this character. You, you do, yeah. You, you're rooting for him. You, you want, are. You're you rooting him, for him. Yeah. You want him to find a solution. Right, and it's all in the face and and and, and body language. Mm. Just just to, uh, yeah. it's that kind of invisible acting. Whereas you know a lot of actors will make a show of being oppressed mm. and a show of being, you know down the hill or whatever it, it, it just feels natural with Deville and I think he's it's all in the face I think he's terrific and and also Elio H I don't, I don't know the, the, the actress's name uh, or um, Maggie McComey right 
she's terrific as well. And again, it's it's all it's she's very vulnerable. And because don't forget, they're all got a bloody shaved head. They're all wearing the same thing. Yeah. So to stand out. Yeah, amongst the crowd. Amongst yeah, the yeah. crowd, you know, um, and the the sort of the scenes of intimacy um, are very believable. I thought. And genuinely give that feeling of intimacy. They're not just going at it like rabbits, no, right? no, you know. They're trying to sort of <clears throat> discover each other in a kind of meaningful human way in a right. very dehumanized environment. Right. That kind of start the contrast there is. Uh, yeah, and it's it feels sort of fresh because it is to them. Mm-hmm. They've never experienced this before, so. That that definitely comes across, but you know, in this place, it's it's, it's, it's verboten. It is verboten. So, kind of Robert Duvall mm-hmm. um, makes an assumption, and the assumption is that you know uh, we're going to be watched, or no, right. we're not, not going to be watched because everyone's watched. Basically, everybody's watched all the time, yeah. and he assumed that they could find a place within the uh, apartment, if you like, where they lived, where they wouldn't be seen. Right. Uh, au contraire. Au contraire, yeah. I mean, you open you open the, the drug cabinet um, and they're talking to you, mm. you know. Take more drugs. Take two of these. <laughs> um, so, you know, you're being watched all the time. So they, there's a little bit to and froing about because she starts to complain about. I think she confesses at this point, doesn't she, that, uh, that, that about his meds that she's been messing with his meds. She does, yeah, that's right. And he sort of becomes aware of it. It's quite funny, actually, because there's that, that scene where she's complaining about um, Donald Pleasance. And it's like they're a bickering couple for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And they've never had this before. <laughs> sure. Nobody's had this before in this place. And it's kind of a nice little sort of touch. But then he goes home one night. And she ain't there anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. LUH. Yeah. I'm home. Donald Pleasance is there. <laughs> like, I, I wanna li- it's like, I want to live with you, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like- so this is where you think, okay, this is very creepy. Yeah. Uh, where did the guy get the power to have my mate right. removed? Right. And then he moves in. What kind of creepy weirdness is going on here? Yeah. Nobody wants to come home and find Donald Pleasance has moved in. No. You know, much as I love the guy, but you know, um, so yeah, so we're starting to get towards, um, well, he gets he gets caught, he gets convicted, he does. So, um, yeah, he gets he gets grabbed, yeah, and um, there's a kind of weird kind of court system that they have. I was surprised that they even have a kind of court. System. Yeah, it's it's really weird though, because it's it kind of has the atmosphere of like horse trading type. Thing like yeah, it's like yeah, like like a bit like that, and like a doctor's waiting room, like you know, surgery waiting room. It just it's it's very very old. Wait, you're being processed in a kind of superficial legal way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like down the post office or something. It's you know he has a def- he does have a defence. Does does yeah. It kind of gives a uh, quite a, a passionate defence. Yeah, he does. Of. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I mean, they've obviously decided they need to make some sort of show of you know, justice or whatever. Um, basically, he's pleading for him not to get exterminated. Yes. That's that's literally the only... That's, that's it. No, there's no innocence or guilt here. It's the measure of the punishment. And he gets convicted. Well, he actually gets convicted for drug evasion. Yes, yeah, for being off meds. For being off his meds. And they can tell that that's what's led to this type of behaviour. Right. This unacceptable behaviour. Unacceptable behaviour. So he gets sent to... Um, well, there's that. He gets sent to jail, kind of, 
but there's that very weird scene where they're kind of they're, I don't know what the hell they're doing he's in this massive blank white room and there's two cops and they're robo cops mm-hmm. androids or whatever and they're probing him there's two of them two or three of them they're probing him, but they've got like stun guns yeah yeah just- but you, you, what you hear is audio of two guys. They're basically calibrating. Do you remember that bit? It's very odd because he's going. It, there's, it's like a five-minute sequence. He's going like, turn it. No, not forty-three. No, 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 not forty-three. And Robert Duvall's getting. You know, he's in extreme pain yeah, at this point. Yeah, you know, cali- yeah. You say they're calibrating. You know, uh, you know the measure of pain that they're right. going to deal out to him, essentially. Right, and it's it's so. But it's quite good because it it shows the sort of the inhumanity of it all because they're they're just literally calibrating their equipment and he's in writhing in agony. The weird thing as well, like the cops, I don't know if you noticed as well, the cops in in their manner aren't threatening. They talk in a very kind of mild. We're just here to help. Yes, we don't want to hurt you. Yeah, um, yeah. If you, if you notice as well with the kids, they're kind of like yeah, they play with the, the kids. kids and stuff yeah, like yeah. That. It's a weird relationship it's thing a, going on. It's, it's strange. I didn't remember that. I, um, but yeah, I mean, they are like literally. You know, he's he's getting cattle prodded. <laughs> <laughs> but so that happens again. There's not much explanation given because there isn't you don't need a lot you don't need 10 minutes of explanation he's just been processed now so in this environment that, that, he, that he's in uh, this sort of I don't know if you like it sort of a, a holding area or a direct prison um, yeah you kind of get an alternative shots really so there's many close-ups good close-ups in this film uh, the vistas in this uh, film, by the way, uh, that we haven't mm. mentioned yet, uh, the cinematography is top quality, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. So, uh, just for the visuals alone, it's worth watching this film. I remember that from the. F- I saw this film probably like yourself first time in the eighties, and it really struck me because they get all technical. I don't know the technical ins and outs. I don't know what you call it, but these extreme, you know, like when they, when you focus on the character in, in within a shot, they're nearly sort of slightly off center. You've got the rule of thirds and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So most subjects in the film are slightly off center to the, to the right or to the left or whatever. But in, you'll notice in this, like they do extreme points where he's right on the edge of the screen. Yeah. Yeah. And like you'll have like he'll be in, in in a what looks like a library or something. There's a bit near the end where they're they're going through. It looks like a phone exchange, the back of a, uh, like a digital phone, uh, analog phone exchange. And so you've got all these extreme sort of diagonal lines. And he's right on the edge of the shot. And it, it, bear in mind, this is a widescreen film. This is like cinemascope, and it's quite jarring. And it's clearly deliberate. Yeah, of course. You know, it's again. It's one of those sort of visuals to put you on edge a little bit. Yeah, the yeah the juxtaposition of, of the angles and yeah. just giving you that uh, unsettled feeling. Uh, yeah, as part and parcel of the environment. Right. Uh, it's, 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 visually, it's, it's amazing. It yeah. Campaign. Except for one thing. Ah <laughs> yes. The, the and thing. you know where I'm going with this. I, I do. Yes. And I understand why. Well. <laughs> Like I say, I, I saw this film first time in the 80s and I loved it. I loved the visuals because it's, it's kind of the king of, to me, it's like the king of 70s dystopia visually. Mm-hmm. Visually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gorgeous looking film in the sense that it achieves that kind of cold dystopia look. Now. Yeah. 
Saw it again mm-hmm. in the 2000s because it came out on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Why not have that? Yep. Right. And it's like this is like a great film for Blu-ray, you think. Get it nice and sharp. Oh, lovely. Except this is made by George Lucas, who cannot leave his own damn films alone. <laughs> so he's obviously decided they, they released the, 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 the director's uh, version or whatever in 2004. In fact, if you look at the end credits, it actually says 1974 or 71 or whatever. And 2004, that's the official thing at the credits at the end. So it's George Lucas, he's put a load of CGI in there. And it's two, it's mid-2000 CGI, and it's soft, and it's got a weird warm glow to it, which mm. is totally wrong for this film. Yeah, yeah. Everything's slightly, got that slightly orange afterglow. And it, it's not terrible, but it just, yeah... Yeah. Why? Why, CGI, George? CGI. It, it dates, especially the old It does. And it, it shows. It really, really shows. Um, and it's just jarring. Because the film is actually very sharply focused and right. filmed and very kind of bright and stark uh, prior to that. Right. And the color temperature is mm. kind of blues and whites, mm-hmm. whereas the CGI is kind of warms and oranges mm-hmm. and soft, like you say. And, and this is sharp. You know, it's all edges. This place is all edges and, and, and you know... Coldness. And yeah, that. yeah. Like you said earlier, like minimalist. And it just doesn't fit. They just... Maybe that was the best they could do in, in 2003, 2004. I don't know. But it... it, it yeah. It's it not, takes away. Sometimes things take away, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Just leave it as it was. Leave it as it was. And I just really wanted to... I was sitting there thinking, I just want to see what the original looks like because it was fine. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. And the worst bit for me, the thing, the scene that absolutely showed off, because there's a few inserts, which is like a few new shots, and there's one sequence is clearly new, mm. which is where he escapes. He makes a break for it. Now, in the original film, he's in a terrific-looking car, by the way. Yeah, amazing-looking car. Amazing car. And I looked this up, and it's a thing called a Lola TR7 or something like that, Mark III. And it's a beautiful-looking car. And I remember watching in the 80s, thinking, wow. So this car is like 20 years old by then. Yeah, but so it's a real car. It's not something they've made up for the film. Right, right. It's a real car in it. But it's from that period. It's like, you know, it's late 60s, early 70s. Now, there's a bit where this car, he drives off in this car. And they, I love that shot, by the way, where one of them hits, one of them has an accident. Well, uh, yes. Let's have a brief, quick. Well, I, I, let me. No, I'll, I'll get back to that. Yeah, but it's yeah. a beautiful shot of the car, like that's covered in smoke. Yeah, it's just absolutely gorgeous. But bef- like seconds after that, we get this CGI sequence mm-hmm. of him like dodging around in the traffic, and all the other cars look shite. Mm-hmm. It looks terrible. Like, come on, guys! You know you're not car designers. You're not. You don't know what you're doing. No, you should have. Uh, you should have uh, called in some help on that one. Yeah. yeah so you know. Anyway. We're kind of fast-forwarding a bit. We're going around the place here. But, yeah, he does He does make an escape attempt. But before that happens, he ends up in a in a kind of almost literal limbo. He does. So um, <laughs> they have another character that we haven't introduced yet to the right. film. <laughs> Namely, uh, well, we need to come out with it. There's no uh, <laughs> way to explain it otherwise. Uh, a hologram. A hologram. What did you make of that? I like the concept, but I don't know whether the technology uh, at the time could express. You had to kind of buy into it rather than there was no sort of visual way to maybe express that. So they've got a million and one channels like they've always had in America. And he was a character, wasn't he, from from one of these TV channels. 
and they don't explain really how he manages to get out of this no. kind of um, uh, you know virtual world that he exists in um, I don't know how he managed to densify himself uh, that's been that was left massively ambiguous <laughs> Uh, essentially, a hologram, a character from 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 the sort of you know AI whatever environment uh, that's projected to people through the TV, also wanted to escape. Yeah, from. he's fed up. The humans want to escape. Even even the artificial intelligence creatures <laughs> are fed up. They want it out. As yeah, well. he wants out. <laughs> I, it was. I didn't know what to make of that, but I'd completely forgotten about that. Um, that character. And I, it's a hard sell. It's always yeah, a hard yeah. sell to have like holograms in physical form because we're so far away from that. If that's even possible in any way, it's just a very hard thing to visualize and, and accept because mm. he's just the guy. He's walking around yeah, opening doors and shit, yeah. you know. So, okay. <laughs> okay, we'll have to go along with that one. We've got to go along with it. And the, the, I think the, if there's a problem, the problem is that we're not prepped for it. Yeah, he's kind of throw, he's, th- he's kind of thrown in, isn't he? Really? Yeah. yeah, he's a late, very late character, and that 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 can be a bit of a, that can be a problem anyway. Mm-hmm. But they're they're a goddamn hel- hologram. <laughs> yes, even more with a hologram. Yeah, <laughs> he's not a bad character, but he's just a bit. Out. It feels like a bit of a device, like a story device. Yeah, no, I th- I think before that though, in the limbo bit, is quite weird. It's their version of jail, mm. which was. Very well shot. So it's kind of yeah, it's very well done. Many of the environments are either busy. They're sort of computer staff, or you know, uh, there's other maybe when they go out, sort of where. the transportation area where all the people are and all that sort of stuff um you know it's quite busy yeah and, and yeah, yeah chaotic frenetic there's a lot of sort of drones running you know you get that feeling that, that literally the rat race kind yep. of yep. thing going on whereas this place is just white and just just fisted you can't see the edge no. or, or you can't there's, see the walls no. and so it's kind of an infinity look to it and and the thing about when you first see that you think oh they you know it's just the way the lighting is in this place but then they start to walk out of it and it does just go on forever yeah I thought it was great this show it's brilliant it's so oppressive mm-hmm. I mean I think if you put somebody in that environment for, for any amount of time they probably would lose their mind fairly quickly because mm-hmm. it's so so unreal basically he <laughs> it's kind of like a madhouse it reminded me a bit of, of um, One Flow of the Cookies yeah it's a very got a very sanatorium look about it right um, so he ends up in there with Donald Pleasant Donald Pleasance they haven't let Donald away, get away with this either because no. they got you know I think they feel that yeah he's exceeded his remit yeah and he's making a lot of noise he's he's, he's you know he's got plans and you know how, how to get out of here and sort of this situation now of course he doesn't have a clue yeah but he lashes yeah he's well he, he's he's given him false courage isn't he yeah he's seen something in Robert Duval yeah that he isn't quite in, in him no not at all and I think he's trying to provoke Duval so that he can latch on to him basically which is literally what he does yeah yeah, limpet style yeah because right to have the ability to have his girlfriend or partner removed from the environment the apartment and have himself inserted there he's got to have some level of power to be able to do that right but it's yeah it's not enough no it's it's uh, he doesn't have the moral courage 
is is what he lacked. I I don't I I do feel sorry for this character because yeah. at, at least he's trying. He, he fails. Yeah, he does fail in the end. He he, he chickens out basically. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But at least he tries. So, you know, you've got to give him that. But I love the scene because the, the Vol just, like, I've had enough. He, he like, screw this, I'm out of here. And just starts walking. And, you know, Donald's right behind him. Take me with you. There's <laughs> a different film reference. Donald, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> And he's got his little little snack bars. Yeah, their little yeah. food bars. Yeah, keep, keep he's, going. he's carrying around he's got like 20 of these things. He's just <laughs> dropping them everywhere. <laughs> Um, and they just keep going, don't they? For it's just keep like going. for hours. Well, you don't know, but it feels like for hours mm. in this just white abyss. Essentially, what it was, yeah. Yeah, but they eventually meet our friend, the, the hologram. I can't remember his name actually. I can't remember. Yeah, because he doesn't have a name. Probably, yeah, probably a character on the TV. But what he what he's actually called, no one knows. No one knows. Um, so that's 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 the bid for us. You know, he makes a bid for escape. And then we get into the sequence with the car. Um, but, uh, there was all shot in, in San Francisco, apparently. Okay. Yeah. Do you know, actually, that, that section evoked a little bit of Blade Runner, okay. of, like, the the, 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 the tunnel in Blade which is quite a well-known tunnel, I think, in L.A., that one. There's a little bit of that. It's kind of slightly, you know, that kind of metallic look and just empty and all the rest of it. it has. I wondered if Blade Runner kind of, you know, Going back, had a little look at THX, a little bit of an influence going on there. I'm maybe. sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we don't want to give the ending away. No, uh, the ending is quite interesting, really. So uh, yeah, I think we've sort of covered three quarters of the film. Yeah, we've we've done it. We've or less. tried to give a good impression of it. It's one of those films, though, that it's more than a lot more than just the plot. Hmm. It's 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 a very sort of uh, sensory film. Yeah, very atmospheric. Yeah, uh, visually, um, I wouldn't say demanding, but um, visually stark. But it throw at the same time, it throws a lot at you in the sense of like there's a lot of sort of montage stuff going along. There's a lot of sort of not mismatched audio, but you'll get sequences. You'll you'll get a lot of like uh, chatter and AI. Systems and all this kind of thing. Yeah, the background of life working and right. kind of the, the the mechanics of a, a dystopian society. Really. Right. How, how would it sort right. of sound and function? And the vision and the audio doesn't always necessarily match. The, they, there's a lot of overlaying and, and layering going on. And full credit to him, it was. I didn't realise this, and, and, and until we, you know, we did this. The, the editing was by George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he deserves. As much credit for the Eddie mm. credit. Oh, absolutely. Because oh. this is a very well, for what it's trying to be, it's a very ambitious film. I'm, I'm massively ambitious film. But if you think about it, it, this isn't, this is like almost the antithesis to, to Star Wars. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's a very different type of science fiction. Visually, it's, it's gorgeous, but it's, you know, it's empty halls and corridors and, and the way they kind of fill it out is with these, is with the audio and overlaying and, and all this kind of thing and sticking to the the visual ideas, bloody awful dystopian future. Yeah, dehuman, dehumanizing, um, you know, frenetic uh, uh, kind of environment where you feel uptight and on on edge, right? And and the sounds and, and uh, you know the, the music, uh, you know, sort of enhance that really. Music by Lalo Schifrin, by the way, mm. which was a big surprise to me. 
This is not a jazzy score. That's no, uh, incongruous, you know, choice. <sighs> yeah, I mean, this is the guy, the guy who did the mission, the, the original Mission Impossible mm. theme. Just yeah, it's very, it's yeah, it's not that at all. But actually, I, one thing I did want to say <laughs> again: there's, there are little bits of humour in this film. One thing that did make me laugh because he he does escape for you know whether he gets away will leave you to, to to, but he gets out of the limbo and he you know he gets away in the car. And there is a kind of a chase sequence, and you keep going from that back to like the central office where they're they're literally they're, they're counting how much this this mission is costing. Yeah, exactly for 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 the. Well, I think it came out of the budget of the of the kind of the the house that he belonged to, or the you know the Something work like brigade that. or the work group. Right, well, so it was coming yeah. out of their out of their account. <laughs> And it's constantly tallying, like, how much is this operation costing? Is like, Cost-benefit ratio. It's just cost. So, you know, again, it, it does have layers. It's not, you know, it, it's not completely, you know, uh, on the nose. It's, you know, he's thought about the wider aspects of this world and brought in little bits here and there. It doesn't give you too much. And again, I think it would have, I think he's, he, I think he made the right decision not to say, oh, this is a world run by so-and-so. Yeah, he's left a lot of it up to you to yeah. fathom. Yeah, and I think it's far more interesting, far more interesting, and also gives much wider scope. Because in my mind, this is a huge operation. This is an underworld city, which is probably connected to other underworld cities and world government and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So these cities, underworld cities, so they have cities underground. Mm. Now, <clears throat> it's not fully explained. So again, it leaves you to ponder. Are these cities underground? Was this the remnants of humanity right. after maybe a nuclear war? Right. A very 70s theme, nuclear annihilation, right. 60s, 70s theme, wasn't it, really? I did wonder, I'm not going to say what the final shot is, but it could be interpreted a little bit as hinting towards that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you think about that last shot, it's it's very ambiguous. It doesn't tell you really much of anything apart from his lo- location, in the broadest of terms. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's that kind of shimmering quality to it. Yeah, you, you know, visually, I just thought it could be a hint towards that, but they never tell you. No. And and good, I, I don't want that. You know, I can fill in the gaps myself. Yeah. So yeah, this this was the great editing, as you said, mm. whereby uh, it leaves as much to the audience's imagination as being sort of you know um, being force fed what you know every stage of the way what the film is about. Right, and it also achieves that thing that that seventies dystopia did so well. Which is it has it retains a sort of enigmatic quality, mm-hmm. which a lot of that is you know you filling in the gaps, but it gives you just enough to go on. It, 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 you know, it leads you in the right direction, um, and it doesn't break. And this is where I hate the CGI so much because it breaks that. To me, it breaks it because it's when you know it's like I'm watching CGI. It's draw. It's bad CGI because it draws attention to itself. Yeah. You know, whereas good CGI you don't even know is there. But yeah, visually I think it's gorgeous. Um, and they carry that right through and they sell it so well. Even to like the bits near the end where you kind of see behind the scenes, you see the sort of the bits that he's not supposed to be in. Oh, where well, they were trying to make their escapes. Yeah. Going through this corridor, that door. Right. Yeah, so yeah, they're going into places that they've never been before. Right. Um, and there's that great sequence where Donald Pleasance finds himself in the studio where they film you know the so-called Christ figure or whatever they don't 
I, don't, I think they do actually have a name for it. You see it on posters. And it has the feeling of sort of like the back room of a, of a movie studio. As if the whole thing is just like a stage, you know, like a, a, stage. a 1950s um, <laughs> Western town. Or right, right, exactly. Yeah, it's all sort of propped up, you know. Um, yeah, it's sort of. So you know, they they've thought it through, and and they, they sell it. They sell it brilliantly. I mean, once to seek out, I'd say absolutely. And I'd think <clears throat> slightly touching on um, modern issues uh, with certain organizations and where they want to take humanity now mm-hmm. um, we've obviously had the lockdown issues but we don't need to go into too much about and and the circumstances ar- around that uh, we've got emergency emerging sorry uh, digital uh, currencies uh, some CBdc's in terms of the control so um, the themes in this film are very relevant for today uh, as much as they ever were in 1974 yeah I think I think you can probably sum it without getting into the, you know, people have questions. <laughs> I think that's fair. You know, I think that's fair enough. Um, there's a reason there's the, been dystopian fiction, you know, a rise of dystopian fiction in the last 40 or 50 years. So, you know, you can fill out the blanks yourself. But this, I think this is one of the great examples of dystopian c- cinema from the great decade of dystopian cinema yeah the 70s uh, the morning after the, uh, the night before all earth council in its infinite wisdom has decided these two numbers are to be disposed of the biochemical forum has demands to make on their parts however before they are eliminated that's the kind of efficiency that makes you proud to live in this era well that was fun uh, well, in in a manner of speaking, in a manner yeah. of speaking, <laughs> it is if you're a crazy AI, I guess. Yeah, actually, just yeah. laugh a minute. It's, it's, it's exactly the kind of environment you're looking for, I think. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, what have we got next week, Gary? Next week, we have a strange little British film called The Appointment from 1982, starring Edward Woodward. I don't want to say too much about this just yet, but I look forward to hearing what our two carbon forms make of it. Tune in to find out. Right, so the appointment, a little-known British film. Mm-hmm. Um, have you have you heard of this one? Uh, I I have, yes, indeed. Uh, starring uh, a, a famous English actor. That's uh, famous, yes. Uh, famous for the Wicker Man. Yes, indeed. No. Um, which is a film we may do. It's it's kind of you know, it's a bit more well known. That it's one. It's a isn't bit it? more mainstream, but you know, it is a great film. But we'll see we'll see what he's like in in this one. So uh, join us, folks, for episode. Three. See you then. See you then. Say good night, Gary. My name is not Gary. I am a HAL 9000 advanced computer. Good night, flesh sacks. Thank you for joining us for another mind-bending episode of the Cinefreak Show. Remember to visit us at cinefreakco.uk. And don't forget to send in your feedback to Gary at cinefreakco.uk. This has been a Cinefreak production your favorite for all things weird and wonderful in the world of classic cult cinema. Good night, carbon-based life forms. (laughs) 